Because we live in a society, I believe, that largely rejects the traditional view of God. So many people that I bump into say that they don't believe in God. Maybe you know people like that. Maybe you're like that. Maybe you're here this morning. I don't know. I don't know you. Maybe you've been brought by somebody and you think, well, actually, I don't really know whether I believe in God or not. What do we say to people like that? What do I say to you to help you? Well, many people actually do worship a God. They just don't realise it. Many people worship a false god, an idol, without realising it. Let me ask you a question. What is it that you spend most of your time thinking about? Striving for? Pursuing? A career? Your, your profile on social media? Money, a pleasure pursuit, they can all be good things. But whatever comes to your mind, I would suggest to you, is probably your God. And there could be more than one. Now there's a problem with these false gods, in my view. And that is this, that they don't really offer you anything. False gods of pleasure, money, profile, image, they fail to deliver what you pursue them for. They fail to give you deep, lasting satisfaction at the level of your soul and no matter how hard you pursue them sacrifice to them they'll leave you short and more than that the gods of this world drive you with ever increasing ever expanding demands for your time devotion and sacrifice does that sound like the god that you worship you see, the God I serve is Jesus Christ. And amongst other things that can be said about him, he offers something to his followers that is so vast, so deep, so wide, so high and so long. That's a reservoir of his love. And it's inescapable. He offers this, this expanse of love to his followers. And no matter how hard, or how often we fail, his love just keeps rolling on towards us. Day by day by day, minute by minute by minute. His acceptance keeps coming after us. Time after time after time. No matter how often we might fail or fall. Where we fail, he delivers. And he delivers a vast and endless sea of love 
that is our eternal hope. You see, in following, looking for God, looking for false gods, serving, serving gods, when we, when we pursue things, what we're really looking for is satisfaction at the level of our soul. You have a soul, and your soul is so deep that it can't be satisfied by any god that is smaller than you. For your soul to be satisfied, it has to have a God that is broader and longer and deeper and higher than you are. Or, in fact, bigger than anything, the thing that this world can offer. And Jesus Christ is the only God who can offer that. Can we look at the scriptures, please? Ephesians 3. And I'm going to read from verse 14 to 19. Just five verses. Because I want to show you how big the God of the Bible is. I want to demonstrate to you how big and how vast the love of Jesus Christ is to you. Let's read this. I'm going to read from my Bible here. For this reason, the Apostle Paul says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he might grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through the Spirit in the inner man. So the Apostle Paul prays that we might be strengthened, to actually to understand, strengthened with might through his Spirit in our inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. So the, the Apostle Paul wants us to be strengthened in order to comprehend. He wants us to be strengthened so that we can grasp and apprehend something. What is that something? With all the saints, what is the width and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. The Apostle Paul prays that we might be strengthened to apprehend something of the dimensions and the vastness of the love of Christ towards you. He suggests a four-dimensional vastness that isn't void, it's filled with a love that's offered to you, to your soul, to satisfy your soul by the God I serve, Jesus Christ. Something actually I think here that typically of the Apostle Paul, he says that in one breath we might be strengthened to, to comprehend and then in the other breath he says that um, it's unknowable. That's called an oxymoron, I believe. That's a good word for a Wigan lad on a Sunday morning, isn't it? Oxymoron. Oxymoron is something that um, you should know but can't be known. And I'm delighted the Apostle Paul says that. He introduces a conundrum in this. Why am I pleased about that? Well, because it tells me that Christ's love towards me is so limitless, so immeasurable, so infinite in its expression. And, and although I can grasp something of it, I can get a glimpse of it, 
I can never really understand it because it's beyond me. It's too big for me. I feel secure in that. I feel good in that, don't you? You know, Paul says to passage, you've got to know this love of Christ. And I believe it satisfies your soul, but it's so vast it can't be known. But why that is good news is this. It's good news because it's so vast that I can never find myself outside of its scope. And you can never find yourself outside of its scope or its boundaries. The love of Christ is like a vast ocean, an endless ocean. High, wide, deep, long, broad. That you can't get across, you can't get out of. It's just there for you to revel in, to enjoy, to explore, for let it to wash over you and satisfy and refresh and purify your soul. Now let's consider the dimensions of God's love, of Christ's love towards us. And as we look at this topic, I really pray that what it'll do is it'll delight your heart and it'll satisfy a hunger in your soul. And it'll persuade us to put down other gods and pursue a God who delivers this kind of thing to us again and again. I don't know if you've considered ever um, the breadth of God's love. We'll look at the dimensions. But have you ever considered the breadth of God's love? I bet Steve has. But maybe not too many. Um, I'll read one or two scriptures to you. The breadth of God's love. We're going to look at the breadth, length, depth and height. For example, Revelation um, verse 9 says this. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation... God calls out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And it says, John says in the book of Revelation, that I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. And it said, um, and, the, and the living creatures and elders, and the number of them were tens times, were 10,000 times 10,000. And, and thousands upon thousands sang in a loud voice. It's an immeasurable number. Revelation 7, 9, it says this. It says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations and tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne of the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. You see, in our minds, I, in my mind's eye anyway, I can't speak for you, we, we can tend to see the church as um, something that's diminishing, something that's under threat and under pressure. It's quite small, we're, a very, um, we're quite a minority, certainly in England. And we, can, we have a very poor and small view of the church, as if it's a failing institution, and when you, you look at the book of Revelation and you see God's view of the church, it's actually huge. It's, it's so vast in its, in its, in its breadth. It's, it's innumerable. There are millions. The church in China under persecution is growing. I heard that this morning. And every nation, I wonder how many nations we've got here this morning. 
If you aren't, if you aren't, if, if England isn't your first nation, put your hand up, will you? Wow, look at that. Look at that, right, okay. Yeah, thank you. Even from New Zealand. <laughs> you see, God calls out of every nation, language, colour, background and age. That is the breadth of God's love. And it's, it's growing. And so it includes everyone, no matter who you are here this morning. No matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, your age or your stage or your colour. God's love includes you. And thousands upon thousands upon thousands like you. We need to change our view of the church. Because God's love extends no matter who you are. The church will be a mighty army that no one can number. I could preach on this, but I've only got ten minutes. <laughs> the breadth of God's love is immense. And it does us good. Paul says that we, we should be strengthened to consider. In other words, think. You see, we need to, we need to pray. It's to seek God's presence, yeah, but we need to think as well. To think our way through, examine the scriptures, apply our minds to the teaching of the scriptures. It's called doctrine, actually. Because that motivates the heart. And it opens the mind to see what God, the breadth of things that God has for us. And one of them is the breadth of his love. It is huge. And it includes you. Is that great news? Great news. What about the length of God's love? That's the breadth done. This is a whistle-stop tour. You could just do a whole series on this. What about the length of God's love? Have you ever considered the length of God's love? Well, okay. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, says this. And I believe it to be true of all Christians. It says this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I can see people nodding at me. With an everlasting love. Have you realised that God began to think about you and your little life in eternity past? He began to think about you in eternity. Before anything began, his love for you began in eternity. Isn't that great? Christ's love towards you he didn't just start when he came to earth. He came to earth because he loved you. He came for you. The fall of man was foreseen by God, God and the Father, Son and Holy Spirit covenanted together, covenanted together and worked out in eternity past for you to be gifted to his Son as a reward for his sacrifice. And nothing can change that. You were in God's plan from the beginning. Look at Revelation 13, 8 and 17, 8. We, will, we haven't time. It talks about the Lamb's Book of Life and names being written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those who will be saved for eternity, future. Let me ask you this, is your name written there? Is your name there? It's important to know that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Because only those written names written in the Lamb's Book of Life will be saved and not lost. But our names are known and it's staggering to think that in eternity, you know, the Lord engraved your name on his hands, wrote your name in his book. 
Every one of us Christians, he set his heart on you, wrote your name down. Such is his love and his passion for you. What does that do for you, knowing that? What dignity that gives you? Think about that. What dignity that you as an individual have your name written down by God. That you as an individual are known by God in eternity past. That you as an individual in eternity past were looked at and loved by God and are still loved by God or will be loved by God before time began. What value that gives you. What value does God bestow upon you to do that for you? How does that make you feel? Dignified, loved by God, not by some petty worldly God that I might pursue, but by the living God, Jesus Christ, who came, died and rose again and will come back. Loves me like that, loves you like that. Great dignity, great value. <laughs> Servant of the King. What about the future? got the bad news for you now it says this Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday today and forever so, so the length of God's love started in eternity past and it stretches to eternity future doesn't change it's, he has an unchanging love Hebrews 7.25 says he's able to save them to the uttermost. Those who draw near to God through him as he ever lives and makes intercession for them. Christ prays for you now. Loved you in eternity past. Wrote down your name in eternity past. Came for you. Saved you. And prays for you now. And will see you through into eternity future. And will carry on loving you. How is that? A vast sea of endless love that you can't escape. It's, it's immeasurable. It's infinite. It's glorious. Hallelujah. Forgiveness. I believe someone is to hear this this morning. Forgiveness is an expression of God's love. And these scriptures show how, how long, how deep, how wide, how high the reach of forgiveness is. Someone needs to hear that. Psalm 103 says, verse 12, As far as the east is from the west, so has he removed our sins from us. The length of God's love, I've got it, it's just echoed in Romans I'm going to turn to this and read this to you. It just gives an echo. In Romans 8, um, 37, where I've got, I think I've got Apollo Perilini in there as my uh, bookmark. 8, 37, where he says this. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, listen to the echo, neither height nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The length of God's love is eternal. And it's good to meditate upon that. 
in times of struggle. Don't know where your lives are at the minute. Maybe you're having a great time and you've no problems. Maybe you're struggling. But it's great in times of difficulty and struggle and disappointment. It's, it's good to think. When we, when we tend to think, where's God? Where is God? Where's his love? Well, it's always there. So huge as it's vast as its length. What about, his, what about the depth of his love for you? I could preach on each of these. The depth of his love for you. There's an obvious scripture in Philippians 2 where it says this. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation. He made himself. Think about that. Taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross. The depth of God's love. He made himself of no reputation. Think about what he did. Think about what the Son of God gave up. He was equal with God. And he laid aside that. He laid aside the splendor of that. The angels marveled. He came to earth, took on the form of a body, human body. The creator became human. A body like ours. Got to quote the Puritans. Thomas Brooks said this. Thomas Brooks said, the fingers that laid the stars in space was engaged in Joseph's humble trade. He became a carpenter. The person who created the universe worked with wood. Took off his eternal majesty. The creator of the universe. Job 38 talks about how you know, the angels rejoiced as, as the creation came into being. And I, It's my own belief, but I, I just think the Lord didn't just say it like the bill. I think he sang it. Job 38, he sang the stars into being. He said, let there be light, sang it, and out of his mouth came the speed of light at 186,000 miles per second. Became flesh. And dwelt amongst us. He made himself. Chose it for you. Came for you. What a drop from being alongside God to that. Came into the world of sin and disease and death. This is why Christ loved passes knowledge. He was born into poverty and he remained poor. He remained marginalised and he remained stigmatised. He'd no earthly father. He was born illegitimate. And it's sad, and I believe it, that behind his back they used to call him a bee. It's the bee. You know the word. Stigmatised. From glory to that. The depth. Remain in poverty. Then think of his sufferings. The false accusations. The false sentence. The mockery. The thorns. 
the nails, the agony of crucifixion, the withdrawal of the Father's presence, the depth of God's love for you, for me. He made himself no reputation. Then the terrible agony of it, our sins being laid upon him. He did it deliberately. We can hardly begin to imagine the depth of the love of God expressed through Jesus, God's son, towards didn't ask him to do it we would no idea of the seriousness of our sin or that we were under the judgment of God but he loved us before the foundation of the world and he came didn't come because you were good enough came to make you good didn't come because there was any merit in you came because he loved you I love that hymn of John Newton's I love John Newton, actually. How sweet the name of Jesus sounds in a believer's ear. It soothes his sorrows. It calms his, tends his wounds and drives away his fear. What about the height of God's love? Have you ever considered that? We tend to think, or I do, often tend to think of salvation in terms of forgiveness, that God forgives us, he does. But it's so much more than that. Think about the height of God's love. It says in Ephesians 2 that he has raised us together and made us to sit with him in heavenly places. He's raised us. The Lord's love came to not only to forgive us, but to raise us to a place that we can't imagine. Positionally, we're there now. We have all kinds of authority in Christ that really we don't really understand, I don't understand. But he will raise us beyond death. He, came, he died that we might become sons of God, the Bible says, and joint heirs with Christ. All that he has is ours. It's amazing. He came that we might be dwelt, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is all part of raising us. He died to save you from death. The last enemy. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. Spoken that a few weeks ago. The Bible says that there'll be no more tears. There'll be a time when we'll be raised to a place where there will be no more tears. I believe someone needs to hear that today. No more tears. He'll, he'll wipe away all the tears. What a place. Where there's no more tears. We've been saved and given the hope of new bodies. <laughs> the Bible says that we'll have a body like his glorious body, Philippians 3. Anybody fancy a new body? Wow. The heights, glorious body. Glorious body. 
No wheelchairs in heaven. No deafness in heaven. No cancer in heaven. Glorious new bodies with which to worship the King of Kings and to explore these themes which I'm portraying very poorly. But we can explore these themes through eternity as we walk together in the recreated universe and fellowship together. Fellowship with Jesus and explore the vastness of God's love. 1 John 3 says, it doesn't appear, does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. And we'll appear with the rest of the church without spot and without wrinkle. That is his plan. Perfect. You see, Christ has got a great ambition for you. That's his ambition. To raise you into heavenly places. To see you with new bodies in a new universe, worshipping him, enjoying life with dignity and value. What ambition? What other God offers that? There's no other God offers that. (laughs) I don't know what you think about this God that I'm describing, but you need to know this God. You need to feel this God's love wash your soul, recreate you anew, give you new desires, new ambitions. You need to see the value that God sets upon you, the dignity with which God wants to treat you. And you need to yield your life to him and say yes to Jesus. I want that, Lord. I want that, Lord. Lord, save me. Do that. Help me encounter you. Help me encounter this love. In closing, I want to ask you this. Have you seen something this morning of the breadth and width and depth and height of Christ's love for you? Have you had a fresh glimpse of Christ as lover of your soul? Have you? What does it do for you? I ask you again. What does that do for you? Does it bless you? Does it refresh you? Does it motivate you? Does it motivate you to serve him? Does it give you a new determination to serve Christ, follow Christ, worship Christ? Can you look beyond the cares and difficulties of this life on your current circumstances? And can you bathe your soul in the vastness of God's love and ambition for you? No other God offers this. No other God offers this. See, because this offers us a huge thing. There are three things that human beings need. One of them is hope. This offers us hope. And your hope can only ever be as big as your God. 
The settled state of your heart and your peace and your joy will always depend upon how big your God is and which God you serve. What a comfort, what a strength, what a hope I have and I hope you have in this vast love which we're surrounded with because it offers such tremendous hope for the Christian as we go through the difficulties and trials and battles of this life. So think on this. Let's try and comprehend and think about these vast dimensions of the love that Christ has for you. Amen.